0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment
1: opportunities. I think is a big mistake for the major mining companies to be boosting their dividends the way way they've been doing in the last uh, few months. You know, mining is a capital intensive industry. We know that. That means mining companies are always going to want capital. So to me, when you have good, strong cash flow, you don't want to be giving that away to shareholders. Admittedly, people who own the company, I understand that, but you don't want to be giving away dividends and then having to turn around and raise money in the market because you need an expansion or you want to buy something.
0: Welcome back to Mining stock education. I am your host Bill Powers and I'm reporting from PDAC 2020 and I'm speaking with one of my favorite people in the resource sector, veteran resource investor and fund manager, Adrian Day of Adrian Day Asset Management. Adrian, it's always great to see you. thank you for sitting down with me again. And after the recent panic in the general equities and the sell-off even in gold and the gold stocks, I'm wondering as a fund manager, a money manager, What type of calls were you receiving, and how do you handle that?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Bill. It's always a pleasure. Uh, You're one of my favorite interviewers. Um, You know, typically, I have to say, we don't get an awful lot of calls from clients on short-term moves in markets. And, you know, I try to emphasize to my clients, when you hire a money manager that's different from hiring a broker... You're hiring a money manager to make decisions for you. And the last thing you want to be doing is panicking um, or or, or conversely, you know, when the market's up, you know, be saying, why aren't we fully invested and so on. And and generally, we don't get a lot of calls from clients, frankly, on on short-term moves in the market. Now, there's obviously a lot of concern about the coronavirus and is it going to spread? Is it going to get worse? And the truth is, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not a medical, I have no medical training at all, so, um, uh, you know, I, I can't be much help there, but you have to weigh, to me, you weigh risk with reward, you look at the value in companies, you look at companies that are going to still be around, you reduce companies that are dependent upon global trade, shipping companies and so on, uh, you know, you do some of the obvious things, but... Um, you know, I, I think the truth is nobody really knows what, what it's going to look like three months from now.
0: And if we continue to see a sell-off, well, we would expect the base metals to get hurt. You're extremely bullish on the base metals long term. But, I mean, could we see a longer base metal bear market than we think? No,
1: absolutely. And and I don't want to give the wrong impression. We are we are not buying much in the base metal. We haven't been buying much in the base, metals, um, uh, me- base metal arena since the last time we talked. Uh, Most of our buying has been been in gold and silver. We've done very little in platinum and palladium, frankly, so we've missed something there, Um, but we've bought very little in the base metals. I I think, again, looking at the risk-reward, it definitely favors the precious metals over the base metals. Uh, you had to trade, and, and that was six months ago, looking at the trade dispute between China and the U.S., the slowdown in global trade, the slowdown in the economy, Germany teetering on the edge of a recession uh, for the last six months. Um, you know, the whole macro environment globally was not really positive for the base metals, so we, we, we weren't buying much.
0: You uh, are a big evangelist for the, why you would want to invest in a gold royalty company. Uh, when you're looking at the gold royalty companies, they've kind of led the way in this bull market where some of these junior miners don't even have a pulse right now. At what point do they become overvalued?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Um, there's no question that the big royalty companies right now are far from, you know, what I like to say, Graham and Dodd value investments. Um, but I think we have to realize if you look at a company like Franco Nevada, for example, the largest of them, you know, it's overvalued on an earnings basis, a cash flow basis, but it's been overvalued on an earnings and cash flow and book value basis ever since it was spun off from Newmont. Uh, what was that, 10 years ago? So there's a reason these companies are over. Are apparently or on the surface overvalued, and the reason is a) they have very low-risk business models, uh, and b) there is a lot of upside in these companies that's built into the cake. You look at a company like Franco, um, with the Cobra Panama that came on stream, you know, at the end of last year. Um, you've probably got uh, you've probably got thirty percent increase in earnings over the next three years. That's baked into the cake. And so these companies deserve higher multiples. I think, I think we're a long way from these being sells Now, a lot of people think, well, the royalties are okay in bear markets, but in a bull market, you, you want to be in the operators. And I'm not suggesting that the big companies like Franco or Royal or Wheaton are going to be your best performers in a bull market. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is these companies have plenty of leverage to higher gold prices. And they have leverage, first of all, of course, if the price of gold goes up, price of gold, silver, and other commodities goes up, their revenue goes up. That's that's the first thing, obviously. But the leverage comes from companies on which they own, companies on whose ground they own royalties or streams, doing great, uh, brownfields exploration and expanding the mines and building up a production. And so all of that extra production on which these companies have royalties or streams, comes to the royalty company without any additional investment. So that's tremendous leverage. That you have companies uh, on which on which they might own a royalty. It might be a small company. They might have a royalty for the last ten or fifteen years. A higher gold price, and suddenly this company starts, you know, building a mine and coming into production, and the royalty company gets gets revenue with for no additional capital that is tremendous leverage We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor.
0: Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie backed gold exploration company in mining friendly Namibia. Osino's district scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B2 Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure, and with its current treasury, it can self fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least twenty. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. Osino trades in New York under the ticker OSIIF and in Toronto under the ticker OSI. To learn more, go to OsinoResources.com. That's osinoresources.com. Adrian, I know you don't focus on small single asset producers, but a question I've been asking myself as I've been looking at small single asset producers is, let's say there is a small single asset producer, they've been producing for a year, they have free cash flow of $20 million, uh, no debt, what multiple should they be trading at? <laughs>
1: ah, I think an awful uh, uh, large part of the answer to that question depends on whether they are a potential candidate for being taken over. You know, if it's a single asset mine that is is just doing its thing and putting the money back into the ground to, you know, expand the mine to last, make the mine last longer to extend the mine life, that doesn't deserve as big a multiple as a company that might be a takeover or the company that's using that cash flow to go out and buy other assets and, you know, build, build a mine. Um, Oh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of these companies should be trading at, you know, what? One and a half to two times book and, um, you know, 10 times cash flow. 10 times cash flow. I was thinking six, but
0: 10 sounds better.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, again, a lot depends. Again, if you've got a single asset and there's really no upside, no one's ever going to take it over. There's really no upside to the mine. It's obviously a lower multiple than someone that can expand the mine. Um, or by other deposits around the mine site.
0: When you look at the mid-tiers, are there any mid-tiers that catch your eye or what commentary could you provide with your observation of the mid-tiers right now?
1: Oh, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, first of all, B2, for example, has done an incredible job. You know, Clive Johnson is is a dynamo and he's done a a really first-class job building that company. Now, they are in some, you know, some, how should we say, problematic jurisdictions um, but I think the price of a stock discounts that, you know, on a cash flow basis, that's trading at a large discount to other companies of a similar size. So there's companies like that. Um, and there's, you know, there's quite a few of those. Well, not quite a few, there's several of them, you know, obviously, uh, Equinox, which is Ross Beattie's company, personally I mean who am I to argue with Ross Beattie but you know I'm not a big fan of the assets I don't think either of those two assets looks to me to be what I would call a world-class great deposit but you've got Ross Beattie backing you and you know it's always worth betting on Ross Beattie so he's going to build that company I think he's going to do what he says he is have a million ounce producer within whatever he said five years and uh, you know, then somebody probably wants to take it over. Who knows?
0: And the major miners, they're giving away dividends. Are they giving away the dividends too early rather than reinvesting the cash?
1: That's, an, that's a good question. I think is think a big mistake for the major mining companies to be boosting their dividends the way, the way they've been doing in the last uh, few months. You know, mining is a capital-intensive industry. We know that. That means mining companies are always going to want capital, so to me, when you have good, strong cash flow, you don't want to be giving that away to shareholders. Admittedly, people who own the company, I understand that, but you don't want to be giving away dividends and then having to turn around and raise money in the market because you need to an expansion or you want to buy something. Um, look, the truth of the matter is, and and we've so, we have we have seen this yo-yo with dividends, which. I think is another sort of mistake. If you're going to introduce a dividend, have a consistent dividend, something you can sustain. It might be a, a, a level that's sustainable or it might be a linkage linked to the gold price for sustainable. But something that's sustainable, when we saw in 2009, 10, 11, 12, all these companies boosting their dividends. Newmont, remember, linked their dividend to the gold price. All these companies boosting dividends. And then, you know, 2013, 14, 15, all these companies counting dividends. And now they're raising them again. I think it's a mistake. Look, nobody buys Newmont because it pays a dividend. Nobody buys your mana because it pays a dividend. I think you know. I I I think you pay the minimal dividend just so that, you know, pension funds and people that have to have a dividend, can invest in you. And other than that, and and after all, you know, most of the gold mining companies were yielding, uh, you know, one percent, one and a quarter percent. Nothing to write home about, right? But what's the dividend on the S&P? The dividend on the S&P is about 1.6 right now. So it's not like uh, you're competitive with the rest of the market. I think the only gold mining companies that should pay a dividend are royalty companies where you have sustainable cash flow and your need for capital on an ongoing basis is less. So So the majors shouldn't even pay dividend? I think they should pay the minimal dividend out. You know, If they pay half a percent, three-quarters of a percent, just so that they can be invested by institutions whose charter says they can only invest in companies that pay dividends. There's a lot of those, as you probably know. But other than that, I I don't see the point because they need the capital.
0: I remember at last PDAC, you and I talked about the Valet uh, Dam collapse. Oh, yeah. But it's been articulated to me that perhaps a lot of the stress on ESG issues could be emphasized a little too much. You know, what are your thoughts here?
1: <laughs> Look, I, th- I think I think a mining company needs to be a good citizen, just as we all need to. We all need to act morally in whatever we're doing, morally and ethically in whatever we're doing. But I do think that it's become a little bit of a, of a uh, fad, frankly, and often put in a cart before the horse. I mean, a mining company has to, you know, build a mine and make money before – I mean, that's, that, that comes before worrying about, you know, social, environmental and governance in my view. But again, I mean, I think people should act morally, but I see it in my business. You know, I'm not going to cheat a client, and that's, that's what's important. I'm not cheating clients. I'm not stealing their money. I'm not front-running them. You know, I'm not lying to them, all of that. But the hundreds and hundreds of pages of rules that we have to follow are frankly meaningless. They're not helping they're not helping on the ethics of the business. They're just um, you know bogging us down in bureaucracy. And I think there's a lot of that um mining companies. I've nothing against women on boards. But when a company says, "Oh, well, we had to tell him to step down because we have to put a woman on the board." Are, are you really improving anything? I don't think you are.
0: As we kind of wrap it up, what are your thoughts with the conference? We're speaking at the end of day two. <laughs> uh, it seemed like attendance was way down on day one to me. What, what are your observations?
1: Yeah, attendance is definitely down. Now, I, I don't know what the number is. Att- attendance is definitely down significantly. But it's not a desert down there. I mean, there's a lot of people walking around. It's also a lot of companies have canceled. That's that's another interesting thing. But as you say, it's the end of day two, and I was up for a 7 o'clock breakfast. You know, I'm already worn out, (laughs) and it's only day two. But um, I think people, I mean, obviously, the mood, I mean, a lot of people are really wanting to know, well, what's going to happen with this coronavirus? You know, we don't know. And, and the answer to that question really determines whether you should be buying now or whether you should be selling. I mean, we're buying. I think some of the, some of the prices are, are, you know, some of the companies are selling at ridiculous valuations right now. Um, and there's a lot of really good buys among seniors juniors, you know, exploration companies, everything.
0: Excellent. You've been listening to Adrian Day of Adrian Day Asset As always, Adrian, uh, thank you for joining me on the show today.
1: Well, thank you very much.